Hello and welcome to Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. Uh, Taylor, I made so many vegetables yesterday. Oh, did you? Yeah, are you proud of me? I'm so proud of you. What kind of vegetables did you make? Well, <laughs> well, I made a root... List your vegetables for me. <laughs> a root vegetable medley. Oh. I had, uh, I roasted a big mess of <laughs> Brussels sprouts and parsnips and carrots and sweet potatoes all mixed together. I put fresh rosemary on them. I threw some scallions on there because I had those. Love that. They were yeah. delicious. Thank you. They Thank were you. very good. I was very proud of that giant bowl of vegetables. I spent the entire evening just returning to the giant bowl of vegetables and picking out the parsnips mm-hmm. and just grazing. <laughs> Until, well, well, yes, that is that. It did start that way, and then after I don't know how many tie dyes we had over there, uh, it it turned into uh, Riley standing next to the counter, holding the giant bowl of mashed potatoes. Eating mashed potatoes out of the serving dish with the serving spoon. <laughs> that's that's where you usually head on. Thank you. <laughs> it was that's just right. us. It's just family. That's it was just the, it was just us and your kids and our our mom and dad. Well, you put that TikTok dance up, so you know. Yeah, I put that, that TikTok dance up. <laughs> that was just your way of claiming dominance over the mashed potatoes. They're now yes. your potatoes. <laughs> my potatoes you just look everybody dead in the eye and you eat from the serving spoon and then they become yours i just couldn't understand why everyone was so confused it's like what of course they're delicious dad was like mm, you really like those mashed potatoes like yes obviously they are mashed potatoes it's the superior form of food yeah we we had this uh debate going where okay riley and i were pushing to add macaroni and cheese to the typical thanksgiving lineup because we generally don't yes and uh mom and dad were trying to decide if we're going to add mac and cheese what are we going to jettison what goes any of the casseroles (laughs) i mean you only need one i don't know why we always have like four well, this is what I said, and I don't know. I think other families do this on Thanksgiving. I don't think it's just us. We make all these foods because we accept that they are, quote-unquote, Thanksgiving foods, but no one really likes them that much, and we don't end up eating most of them. And I don't know why we continue to make them. Like, why do we make broccoli casserole or green bean casserole or any of that or cranberry salad or anything? The um, cranberry salad is just for mom, yeah. as far as I can tell. Hey, I like the cranberry salad. If if I'm home, I, I eat the cranberry salad. But the various casseroles, I don't even I don't understand because even that is like the idea of a, like oh yes, a traditional Thanksgiving dish where we take some green beans, we cover them in soup and cheese its, <laughs> and we bake the crap out of them. Like what is that? Well, and that's, I mean, I also, aside my root vegetables, I made just some broccoli and cauliflower because that's what Charlie and Cooper eat pretty well. Broccoli and white broccoli. Broccoli and white broccoli yes. is what they call it. Uh, Ghost broccoli. <laughs> so I uh, I just made that. And so Cooper had on her plate both broccoli and broccoli casserole. And she just refused to even taste the broccoli cheese casserole. She was like, I don't want that. I just want to eat she kept broccoli. saying, I like broccoli, not cheese. <laughs> but it was like, I had this moment where I was like, why are we trying to force this child who is enjoying just a vegetable, like a healthy vegetable 
Like, no, you need to eat it smothered in cheese. My favorite part of the whole thing was that the reason we decided on broccoli, the reason they decided on broccoli cheese casseroles, because they said, (laughs) well, the only we don't have anything green. Like we have the root vegetables, but we don't have anything else that's green. We have like, you know, a turkey and mashed potatoes and rolls. Like we need something green. And I said, I don't think it counts as green anymore when you cover it in teeth. <laughs> I brought a gigantic bowl of vegetables. Yeah. I don't know. I was wow. happy that the green beans were gone this year. Well, I like crunchy green beans. Yeah. Like, why not just green beans? Why do yeah. you have to casserole everything? That's why I said, they said, well, no one wanted green beans. And I said, well, not the mushy kind that just gets sat around on the stove all day. But the crunchy kind I like. Yeah. I enjoy the problem is, and we should clarify, the mushy kind. <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing against. I know that there is a way to prepare green beans where you cook them with like bacon and stuff mm-hmm. all day or, or not all day. I don't know. For a long time. I've, ne- I've never been a big green bean fan. Justin doesn't really like green beans. Cooper's really the only green bean eater in this household. But um, I don't think when you do that, you're supposed to use canned green beans and cook them that long. Well, and. And like the juice that they come in, like just yeah, yeah. put them straight on the on the pot, no seasoning, <laughs> just let them just soften. They're, they're, they're just softened green beans. Well, I don't know. They're I just mean, pre-masticated green beans. They they really get really very mushy, and I mean, now to be fair, it's like the only thing holding them together are the weird green bean threads along the side. Uh huh. <laughs> to be fair, I did hear our grandfather say that's how he likes them. Yeah. So right, it is wow. a way some people prefer green beans, and that's fine. I just don't. It is not my favorite. I mean, he also said he wouldn't. He wouldn't care if macaroni and cheese was added to the menu. So mm-hmm. this is a man who wouldn't care about macaroni and cheese, but does want just, <laughs> softened green beans. <laughs> but but look at this: if you have green beans, whatever form. And macaroni and cheese, that's basically a casserole just split into two different dishes that yeah. different people can enjoy. And if you want a green bean casserole, just mix your mushy green beans in with your mac and cheese. Instant casserole. Here you go. You got I love, options. <laughs> I love that our dad suggested green bean casserole and didn't know what it was. Yeah. He was like, we should make a green bean casserole. Mom said, well, do you know what it is? And he said, I assume it's like a broccoli one, except with green beans. And she was like, no, no. No, it has like, like mushroom soup, cream of mushroom soup and onions and uh, probably, yeah, Cheez-Its or crackers or something sprinkled okay. on the top. I don't know. Um, I don't know. And he was like, well, that sounds good. Let's do that. <laughs> I, I also saw a picture going around. Somebody had posted a picture of their Thanksgiving dinner and there was some bright pink stuff on the plate. And so it was like, no, we're, no, trust me, the pink stuff's good. And I, I think you also, I knew what the pink stuff was. And I was like, yep, oh, yeah, wow. That is, a, that is a regional thing. I know what that pink stuff yeah, is. I know that pink stuff. Uh, I was going to make a pitch for like, do we really need the mashed potatoes when we have all these? How dare you? I know, I know. I'm not going to make a pitch for that. I, I mentioned it and everyone looked at me like, what is wrong with you? That's like the but one actually, staple I think everyone agrees on. Well, I would be, I mean, I the sweet potato casserole seems to go over very well. Mm-hmm. So I will continue to make that. But it's a very different food than mashed potatoes. Yeah, no, mashed potatoes are a binder for all of the things on the plate. Yes. Like anything that lacks moisture has mashed potatoes to compensate for that. You need them for the stuffing, whatever Mm -hmm. meat thing you have, the vegetables. It it makes them all work together. Sydney laughed at me for dipping my roll in the mashed potatoes, but everything goes in the mashed potatoes. No, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. 
I don't think there's anything wrong with dipping your roll in the mashed potatoes. Well, okay, you laughed. You at were me. committing a lot of mashed potato related crimes last night <laughs> when I dipped an extra roll are, into the no. communal bowl of mashed potatoes. That, let's clarify. Yeah. <laughs> No, on my personal plate, I combined my turkey, mashed potato, and roll. It was all there together. I don't think it was a crime. I think it was delicious. I don't think you can commit mashed potato crimes. I think all all's fair with mashed potatoes. And it's a food I don't more? get, but like one time a year, because it's just like not something I will regularly like go out of my way to make my, for myself. But if it's ever presented to me, of course I will partake. And usually it's only presented to me at like Thanksgiving and maybe Christmas. We're having it again on Christmas. Good. Good. Unless we decide we're going to do like a low country boil or something weird like sometimes we do. (laughs) Yeah, I love it when you surprise me with that. Oh, great. (laughs) So I'm having potatoes for dinner. Hey, we found vegan sausage. Oh, right, right. Um, But we're not talking about mashed potatoes this week (laughs) we're talking about something even better surprisingly (laughs) finally it's come to this Mm -hmm. it's taylor swift red mashed potatoes of the music world the mash you know what yeah taylor swift is the mashed potatoes of the music industry she has hold it all together there you go okay okay i didn't know how you were gonna i was gonna say i don't know if that's a compliment (laughs) yes it brings it all together everyone can agree on it there's something in there for everybody Taylor Swift. If, mm-hmm. if you think you're too good for mashed potatoes, you're wrong and you're yeah. pretentious. Yeah. There you go. And if, like you, and it, if you suggest replacing mashed potatoes with another side dish, <laughs> everyone will look at you like you're a monster. <laughs> Everybody will want to kill you. And mashed potatoes generally reveal their secrets with riddles. Mm, there you go. <laughs> <sighs> yes, um, guys, this album, um, it, it's very long. I do want to apologize up front. Yeah. Uh, it's two hours and 10 minutes long. It is 30 songs on it. Um, but, and it does come with a short film also. <laughs> <laughs> and another music video. Um, but I think it is one giant, has, sonically cohesive piece of art. It has some uh, some Leslie Nope energy there. For my next album, it's 30 yeah. songs long and it comes with a short film. Yeah. <laughs> Let me present it to you now. I do want to point out this was a riddle that no one solved um, that we all got wrong. <laughs> she did in one of her music videos. It was for one of the albums that came out last year. I forget the folklore evermore. But I don't know. She made music videos for both the singles from them. One of them, there was a clock on the wall. It was at 430 for the entire video. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, oh, April 30th. What are we getting on April 30th? This was a whole big thing. Nothing happened on April 30th. But Red was her fourth album. And it has 30 songs on it. Ah. 4.30. No one got that. We all set our hearts on April 30th and then just nothing. And then nothing. So that's like the, the running thing in the Taylor Swift fandom is we can't let April 30th happen again. We can't let ourselves get set on a date for something to happen again and nothing to come from it. Okay. Today actually was another one of those days, the 26th. What's supposed to happen today? Something. What? Nothing happened. I, I mean, maybe just like... When you film things, clocks are just sometimes on numbers, and you all just need to let it go. Nothing is a coincidence with Taylor Swift. I don't. This, I, this I'm is... of the belief that she hasn't planned anything for like years, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you all are just running with it. And she's like, I don't have to do anything. I'm just gonna keep making up stuff. It's on autopilot now. She was filming something in her New York apartment, and the whole block was blocked off for a project called Acorn. And I don't know what it was. I don't know what it is. Still enough. <laughs> 
Oh, oh, mystery. Okay. That um, sounds very mysterious. It's very mysterious. Um, but, okay. So, Red is, first of all, probably all about Jake Gyllenhaal. Just get that out there. Right. I mean, like, well, you say probably. Well, not and every that- song. Um, like, for example, there are a few in there that are about a Kennedy a Kennedy. A Kennedy. Ah, Connor, Kennedy. specifically. Do we know all that? Like, is that is that known? Because so, you said probably, and my assumption is this was completely concrete tr- truth known. So, so then you threw the yes. probably in there and that threw me. I only say that because Taylor never confirms or denies that her albums or songs are about anyone specifically. Um, but she used to. She doesn't anymore. In her album booklets, like the lyric booklets that come with the physical CDs, she would capitalize random letters to spell out messages within the songs that would like give a special secret message or secret meaning Mm -hmm. to each of the songs so it would like say this is for like fans or this is for you all or like i wrote this like uh there's a song on the the album i almost do and the secret message was like i wrote this instead of calling or um one of them i think it was all too well the secret message was maple lattes and there's a famous picture of Jake Gyllenhaal and Taylor Swift when she was in New York visiting them where they were drinking maple lattes together. Mm. And they got stopped by the paparazzi and they were asking like, oh, what are you all drinking like on this fall day? Maple lattes. So that is why people assume <laughs> because of the secret messages. Like the one about Connor I, Kennedy, the secret message was like whatever pier or place or whatever that is in somewhere in the northeast where they were, where they met. I don't know. Yeah. It's really interesting because sometimes, uh, okay, it's sort of like a lost escape room. (laughs) When you're doing an escape room and you'll come up because like all the puzzles are made by people and you'll be doing an escape room where like, this is good. These are good. Ooh, this is a good one. Like, I like this. And then sometimes you'll come up against a puzzle and you'll start to feel like this is just like four steps too far. Mm -hmm. Like. I feel like there's so much you'd have to guess. Like, yeah. I think you I think you guys got a little too clever with this one. Yeah. <laughs> this is a hat on a hat situation. We need to back it one step back. One step. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like sometimes Taylor takes it like. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know how much of it is Taylor and how much of it is just fans assuming so much that ah. we just assume there are all these layers when really like. Everyone tried to guess what the next re-recorded album would be before it was announced that it was red. Like, deep diving into, like, every single social media post or whatever, when really, like, she had hinted at it by using, like, four red emojis in most of her tweets. And, like, using subtle lyrics in some of her captions. And that was her way of hinting that red was next. But everyone, like, went hardcore deep into it. So it's not her fault. I don't think... Maybe I don't oh, know. You're, you're just blaming all of her fans. Yeah, Do myself go on record. Myself included. <laughs> um, I'm a part of this crime as well. So the 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 riddles that she presents to her fans are are actually pretty straightforward. You, yeah, you read into everything else. Yeah, like they're gotcha. little, just tiny Easter eggs that she'll just drop. Like I don't know. Everyone's trying to guess what the next one will be after this one that she drops next, and there are a few. Things and some of her posts and tweets have little lyrics from Speak Now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, that's probably more likely instead of like, let's go all the way back into all of these music videos and take apart every single frame. And it's going to be, I don't know, whatever. People do that. Um, I do that. Why, I have a question, which is, does she know for a fact he still has the scarf? So, because from listening to the song and watching the short film, it's insinuated <laughs> that the scarf is in a drawer even now. Even now. Like, she knows <laughs> now. what drawer it's in. 
Um, at this moment, like she could go to that house. Is it his sister's house upstate? Maggie is that where Gyllenhaal's. the scarf? Mm-hmm. It, so it's Maggie Gyllenhaal's house upstate, and in a drawer there is the scarf. Now, Maybe she still has a good relationship with Maggie, and she just calls every now and then. It's like, is it still there? <laughs> still there? Like, yeah, it's still there. Then why didn't you get it back? I'd like to remind you, this song was originally written like right after they broke up. So saying even now doesn't necessarily mean even now 10 years later. It means like even <laughs> now, like a month after they broke up. Okay. But there was a picture of him. It was a scarf that she was wearing in that picture of them actually drinking the maple lattes. There are pictures of him wearing that scarf out in public after they were rumored to no longer be dating. So, yes, he did keep a scarf of hers that he did wear in public a few times. That's such like a for as iconic as he was as like a sad emo boy. That's such a sad emo boy thing to do. Like, you yeah, know, I, I totally dumped this girl, but I'm going to be sad about it and wear a scarf around. Ooh, <laughs> Her Gucci scarf. <laughs> oh, it was a fancy scarf. It was. See, because I, I mean, it doesn't like, look like a fan. I don't know. It's one of those. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know the timelines, but like the vibe I got from the songs were like she was obviously very young, but also like not famous or like rich or like he was all Hollywood and mm-hmm. she was like this country girl is sort of like the vibe but yeah. but i mean she was famous no, by the time was, they dated right she was like, very famous um not as much so as she is now i think something happened recently where everyone got into taylor swift i think it was the pandemic i don't know but she definitely was famous <laughs> um but i think her whole thing was always that and i i will say taylor swift was raised in a fairly well-to-do family like she was not i see that i was one i have she no, did I mean, not struggle growing up she was raised on a christmas tree farm she says she was raised on a farm it's a christmas tree farm <laughs> in pennsylvania oh, all right that, that yes. is too precious for words that's why she has a song she's re-recorded called christmas tree farm it's a christmas song oh i didn't know that was why um all of her brothers and sisters were christmas trees <laughs> But she grew up on a Christmas tree farm in Pennsylvania. But Uh she also, she didn't, I think what her thing was about Jake Gyllenhaal and comparing them wasn't that he was famous and she wasn't. I think that it was almost of the mindset that like maybe Jake Gyllenhaal became famous because of like who his family was or like connections he had or like he was already raised in that environment and that's why he was able to succeed. Are his parents famous people? I didn't know they were. I don't know if they are, but I mean, I his know. sister is. Right, right. Got, and she was before he was, I guess, right? Well, and they may be some something yeah. rich connected. I have no idea. I have zero. I am just totally no guessing idea. at this point. Well, I got the vibe that it was more, I mean, you, even if they were similar levels of fame, because there's a lot of lyrics about, like, whatever, his, his hipster music and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And, like, maybe she was, like, corny, you know, yeah, famous. Mm-hmm. And he was, like legitimate or something that in her rate of it and i don't actually right. feel that way about her but like you know that yeah. he was too yeah. cool for her because she was she, just pop music and whatever yeah you know, mainstream and, and he was kind of indie at that point yeah right. yeah that makes sense and she also i mean she was young and she was new to being an adult and on her own and being in that world of fame because i mean her first this was her fourth album and up until this point <clears throat> she had been barely 18 by the last time her last album come out maybe 19 so like she was a kid so she wasn't really experiencing being like a famous adult and doing all that on her own it wasn't until this point where she was like living on her own and and 
being an independent adult new to that world. And I think a lot of her is also just very like naive and kid like mm-hmm. experiencing all of that. And maybe he had more of like a, you know, I'm too cool. I'm too old. I'm too good for all of this. Like, it's not that big of a deal, like not that famous or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. um, none of this is that cool. But she was very much like, this is all so new and cool and exciting. Sort of like a, a like quieter, more subdued party in the USA, Miley Cyrus kind of vibe. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm just a great saying, connection. You similar, yeah. <laughs> similar yeah. vibe. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I She definitely, there are a few lyrics in there. Like, I bet you think about me is one of the vault songs where she talks about him, like having like organic shoes and a million dollar mm-hmm. couch. Yeah. And he was raised in LA and Hollywood. And those have to be true. Oh yeah, that has to be like well someone, from like direct conversations because they're so specific. Someone found a clip of him doing an interview from I think a few years after they dated, but not a, a little bit ago on like a late night show where he was talking about the shoes he wears while he runs, and it's those ones that are like shaped like feet. Oh yeah, that are just like thin socks, so that like yeah. your feet are like super close to the ground when you're running. Mm-hmm. Someone found that after the song came out, was like, "Well, there's your organic shoes. <laughs> there they are. <laughs> there's his fancy running shoes." Oh my gosh. Um, but like that kind of stuff, the way she writes it makes it seem very much like she didn't have money or mm-hmm. she like struggled growing up, and that's not true. The house she grew up in was also very big and very nice. But she also came from country music. Yeah. And you have so to very keep different. that sort of, I mean, that's a very country music. Like, uh, I don't want to say it's all a facade because there are certainly people who mm-hmm. that is right. true. Right. But it's so much a part of that culture that even if it's not totally true for you, yeah. I do feel like you have to kind of lean into that narrative. Yeah. In that world, you know. And I mean, that song is the most country song on the album mm-hmm. i bet you think about me i mean um even though it wasn't originally on the album but this was her last album that really had any country because her next one was like full pop okay so um that's the reason why a lot of the cut songs are more pop e because the label wanted this to be a more country album because they felt like she was getting too far away from country and she was going to lose like the, the country and fans that, and that was a moment where that narrative was so intense yeah. where like oh they're they used to be country but they're not real anymore they're selling right. out to pop yeah. yeah so that's why you have a lot of like um message in a bottle i don't know if you all <laughs> listen to that but it sounds very much like it would be in the credits of like a my little pony movie <laughs> um <laughs> but like that's why that song was cut because it was too poppy but i mean her next album was just entirely pop she was moved on from country after this um so um there was something interesting as I was listening to it. Justin was listening with me and he saw like on the screen, the parentheses Taylor's version. Mm -hmm. And he said, why does it say that on all the songs? Mm -hmm. And I realized I kind of assumed everybody knew the whole story. The re-recording stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe everybody doesn't. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah. Before. Yes. Yes. So I, I want you to be able to explain that. But before we do that, let's check the group message. Uh, First things first, the holidays, they're not just soon upon us. They are upon us. The holidays came <laughs> crashing down upon oh. us. Um, there they are. And, you know, we've, we're all going to be really busy, uh, both with like our, you know, our usual stuff and then all the fun stuff. Hopefully, hopefully there's some fun stuff in store for you with friends, family, the like. 
Um, and you want to be comfortable when you're, you know, navigating all of that. And that's why you've got to try Beta Brands Dress Pant Yoga Pants. They have the fit and flexibility of yoga pants. They really do feel like you're wearing yoga pants all day long, but they're not yoga pants. They're dress pants and they look like professional dress pants. So the fact that they feel so comfortable is just your little secret. Um, unless you want to share it, which I would encourage you to do so that other people can feel just as comfortable as you do. They're wrinkle resistant, stretch knit fabric. Um, whether you're working in an office, working from home, whatever your job is, no matter how active or inactive, they really they they can accommodate all of that. Um, I have been you I've been wearing beta brand dress paint yoga pants at work for a long time because I hated the way a lot of work clothes made me feel. I felt like I was like shuffling everything around trying to keep everything in place all day and with beta brand dress paint yoga pants that's not necessary i felt super comfortable could go straight from work to whatever else i had to do and not feel the need to change right away and there's a ton of different styles straight legs skinny joggers uh classic black houndstooth whatever you like so uh riley if our listeners want to check out beta brand dress paint yoga pants what should they do well, right now, our listeners can get 30% off their beta brand orders when you go to betabrand.com slash buffering. That's B-E-T-A-B-R-A-N-D.com slash buffering for 30% off your order for a limited time. And when you use our special URL, you're supporting our show, too. Find out why people are ditching typical work pants for beta brands, dress pant, yoga pants at betabrand.com slash buffering for 30% off. So I mentioned earlier that I made up a whole mess of vegetables for our Thanksgiving dinner and a whole mess. And I got all of those vegetables delivered to my door with imperfect foods. And that is the honest to God truth. Wow. Uh, It's great. Um, Especially this time of year when maybe you're prepping for big get togethers and things like that, but you still want to support a sustainable local food system. Imperfect Foods is exactly what you need. It's a grocery delivery service. They have an entire line of sustainable groceries um, that help reduce food waste, which is great. You can feel good about that. Um, And also kinds of like yummy snacks and pantry staples and some seasonal things. We got these these like uh, pumpkin spice chocolate chip cookies that are Mm. really yummy too. So they also have like snacky things like that, not just produce, but the produce we got was wonderful. Um, in addition to everything I mentioned that we made, we also got these amazing leeks and peppers and cilantro and tomatoes. So like fresh herbs, the sage that mom used in the stuffing came from imperfect, imperfect foods. So all kinds of different things. Um, you can check out, personalize your delivery and uh, have them have them dropped right on your doorstep, everything that you need. So and say goodbye to packaging guilt. Uh, it makes they make it really easy for you to return your packaging after every order with Imperfect Foods. So so you can do that too, just like we did. Um, and Riley, if our listeners want to check out Imperfect Foods, what should they do? Well, right now, Imperfect Foods is offering our listeners 20% off your first four orders when you go to imperfectfoods.com and use promo code BUFFERING. Again, 20% off your first four orders. That's up to an $80 value at imperfectfoods.com. Offer code uh, BUFFERING. Imperfectfoods.com and use code BUFFERING. And we also have a Jumbotron this week. Whoop, whoop. Yay. Yeah. This is uh, for Elizabeth, and this is from uh, Mama, Daddy, Ryan, and Alex. And uh, they write, Happy birthday, Elizabeth. Now you are an official teen, even though you have been teening around for almost a year. We think you are awesome and spectacular, and we love you. We know you will keep being the bright light you have always been, and we can't wait to see what happens next. So, Aww. happy birthday, Elizabeth. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Elizabeth. That's a very sweet message. 
All right. Yes. Riley. Yes. If you could, uh, because maybe some people aren't as aware why Taylor Swift is re-releasing this album. And when you talk about vault songs and things that aren't, because actually I don't even know which songs were on the original album. Mm -hmm. I don't know that part. So Um, what what is the scoop there? Yeah. So Taylor Swift uh, was on a label, a record deal with a label that owned her first, uh, what, six albums i think that was the deal the first six albums they would own the the um, masters and then that label was bought out by this scooter Braun guy who sucks um and (laughs) she tried to buy her masters back from him because she knew that he was just going to sell them to another company basically to make all the money off of them Mm because every time they're played like you still make money from them um he wouldn't let her buy them back and she said okay then in my contract it says i can re-record these songs after X amount of years since they've been released. Um, and because even though they own the masters, she has the um, composition copyright because she wrote them. So she can still re-record them whenever she wants. She just doesn't own that original master recording. So she has been re-recording her uh, past six albums so that now she has Taylor's version. So they're called something different, mm-hmm. um, but they all want to sound like the originals because she doesn't want people to have a reason to listen to the old ones and give scooter bra money so now she's re-recording them so she can own these versions of them and she can perform them again and she can own them again is it um one i would say when you said there's been this resurgence in popularity Mm -hmm. i mean that's got to be it like it's such a baller move you know yeah um yeah I, i think that was definitely part of it because it wasn't until actually right before the pandemic she had released her last album um before this that was her first one that she owned on her own mm-hmm. and that was a big deal because she was like this one i own all on my own i wrote it myself and i recorded it myself and no one else owns it but me um uh but then you know pandemic happened and i think everyone started listening to her music because she surprise dropped those two albums and then everyone also realized like oh wait she also is now re-recording all her old albums so i can go back and listen to those and we'll be exposed to them all over again mm-hmm. um she did that with fearless in the spring and that was her second album and re-recorded it re-released it uh, in April. Um, so, yeah, she's going through and doing that with all six, mm-hmm. but no one knows what order or when. Everyone assumed it would just be in order from like one mm-hmm. to six. That is not the case. She released the second, then the fourth. I don't know when the rest will be. <laughs> it's a mystery. I like this. Yeah, is there another? Is there another one that also has like as much anger directed at one specific guy? Because I get, I bet Jake Gyllenhaal is hoping that one of those gets released next. I. Yes. Um, Speak Now was her third album, and it it is actually the one that she wrote every single song entirely by herself. So, like, a lot of these songs she obviously wrote, but had co-writers on a lot of them. Speak Now she wrote entirely by herself and has several songs about John Mayer, Mm. who did the same thing, except she was even younger when she dated John Mayer. Um, And she's still actually not as old as John Mayer was when he dated her, so that's a whole thing. Um, But that's what everyone keeps saying, is Jake Gyllenhaal's in hiding until that album comes out and all the attention turns to John, John Mayer. <laughs> but, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not defending Jake Gyllenhaal, but it sounds like what happened is a pretty normal, like, breakup. Like, there's not some, like, heinous, st- he, he just was kind of a crappy boyfriend is what it sounds like, right? I mean, he didn't come to her 21st birthday. Well, that's crappy boyfriend and stuff. It's, it's supposed to, it's supposed to be boyfriend. fun turning 21. I mean, and it was not. I mean, it's nothing outrageous. He just was kind of a pretentious older dude who thought he was too cool for Taylor Swift and didn't make time for her. Like, it, I'm not, I'm not, like, I just, 
<laughs> Riley's getting so upset. I'm not defending him. I, she got a whole awesome album out of it. Like, I, I like the songs on this album. But, like, it's not... It's 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 not like it's a uncomfortable thing to listen to. Is what I mean. No, no, yeah. Like um, what you're describing I, with John Mayer, I feel like sounds uncomfortable to listen to. Yeah, like she wrote "Dear John" about John Mayer, which she got around saying it's about John Mayer by like using the concept of like "Dear John" letters right, is right. what it is. But I mean, it is about John Mayer. Um, that is very much more of like an, a, a direct attack at John Mayer for being a creep. Um, and a bad guy that is much more i won't say it's uncomfortable it's a great song but along those lines um this is very much just like i don't know i feel like i've always enjoyed it because it's definitely what you feel when you get broken up with even if it's only been three months and some guy treats you really crappy and um you were really really into him but maybe he wasn't as into you and he just kind of like yeah never treated you the way you deserved but then he breaks up with you and he made your life sad for three months it's very much those feelings you get when you're young and that happens for one of the first times and you are not used to feeling those things so they're all very intense and dramatic oh yeah and it's all of those feelings in an album um but in a way that also makes it you feel like you are allowed to feel all of those things please please don't misunderstand i'm not downplaying oh no no i know i i think absolutely i've been there it's just more like the difference between finding out one of your dude friends is a total creep versus finding out one of your dude friends is a bad boyfriend and being like yeah you're my buddy but you're a terrible boyfriend i just want to know that i can still think of jake gyllenhaal as my friend i guess is what i'm saying yes yeah no i think that's definitely fair that i was thinking about that actually as i was watching the short film i was thinking Mm -hmm. about that too like even the fight they have in the kitchen after the dinner party Mm -hmm. She's like what she's saying he did wrong is still not it's not uh, none of it is articulated very well. Mm -hmm. Like I watched it and it's like, well, you just kind of felt ignored. But then there's also there's when he talks about her being selfish, there is a moment where I thought, I mean, it was sort of like a dinner party for him to see his old friends. So Mm -hmm. like, why was it so important that he was, you know, I mean, like, Mm -hmm. why was it about you? Mm -hmm. I mean, and I think. I think a lot of what you're work and maybe that's intentional. What she's working through is like those are just your early relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody knows what they're doing, especially when you're young. You hurt each other a lot. Both of you are sort of self-obsessed in a way, and mm-hmm. I don't mean that in a mean way. We are when we're mm-hmm. young. We should be. We should be focused on our own journey and what what we're looking for. You know, mm-hmm. you shouldn't be looking to like. I can't wait to get married and settle down and devote my life to supporting you. No, it's normal that you're sort of thinking about yourself. Yeah, um, and all of that is exactly what like music that connects to us when we're younger. That's what it is about. Cause those are the big themes. Yeah. That's life. And so I think it, it all makes sense. And in that context, yeah, I mean, it's, it seems very mundane, but that's the whole point. It's relatable. It's mundane. It's the way relationships are when you're younger. And he was a bad boyfriend. Yeah. Well, and especially if this album came out at that time period where she was trying to be taken more seriously, sometimes relationships can get, latched on to bigger problems in our lives you know Mm -hmm. and it makes sense that it's like having somebody that is way too serious and way too real for you quote unquote and like you're trying to be taken more seriously and being seen as not just this little pop princess like it it, i think it all kind of however like i think she represents those emotions very clear when you're trying to just come into yourself and sometimes you get into that relationship that kind of defines that battle for you you know yeah and I mean, like, when she talks about how she wrote All Too Well, which is the song that the short film was um, and is regarded as the best, one of the best songs she's ever 
written and definitely the best song on that album Mm -hmm. um even though she didn't intend on that at the time it wasn't a single or anything um the 10 minute version came out with this album which was a big deal because she said that's how it started that she wrote a 10 minute song and the label was like well we can't put a 10 minute song on an album that's ridiculous you need to cut it down so she cut it down to five but everyone for a very long time has been saying well i want the 10 minute version so she did that on this album and now it is the longest song to ever hit number one on the billboard hot 100 or 200 whatever um and it's great, but there, she tells the story of when she wrote it on one of the late night shows she did an interview where she had pretty much just gotten broken up with, like, mm-hmm. very recently, within a few days, walked into a rehearsal for her tour um, and for her previous album and just started playing a few chords and just, like, singing everything she was feeling. And then it got recorded and written down and it became mm-hmm. that song. And that original 10-minute oh, wow. version is pretty much what she was just stream of consciousness singing and thinking it so has like, that feel to it too. Yeah. yeah and when you think of it that way it's not her looking back on a you know objectively short relationship and thinking all these things about it it was written right in the moment of when she has just been you know her heart has just been broken mm-hmm. and this is everything she's feeling i think that puts it in perspective a lot more of like oh, yeah. you know these are current active heartbreak feelings um especially the 10 minute version which I very much enjoy. Uh, I don't know. I didn't think I'd like a 10-minute song, but yeah. I do. <laughs> I, there are some 10-minute songs that I like, but I usually feel like I have to commit to them. And I will say it's it just goes by really fast. Like Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just a no, really that's true. Enjoyable. Yeah, I, did. I definitely yeah. still enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. I can see why the parts that stayed were the parts that stayed. Yeah on like a radio friendly mm-hmm. five minute version and yeah. lucky for jake gyllenhaal what got cut because what got put back in <laughs> makes it so much worse i there is some debate whether all of this was actually written at the time or whether some of it uh, she is written now mm. and put back in like the bit about uh, i'll get older but your lovers stay my age because it's like how would you know? <laughs> How would you know that? And at that point, the only people he dated seriously, like publicly, weren't that much younger than mm-hmm. him, I guess. Um, I don't know if that's just her assuming, like, you took advantage of me because I was young and you're just going to keep doing that to other young girls. Mm-hmm. But some people think that she is added that now to I, kind of call out, like, this is a creepy guy. I don't know. I love that yeah. if she did. <laughs> yeah. I hope. I'm so, I could pull that up. I could pull that pettiness from a decade yeah. ago. I mean, it fits. It sounds like something she could have, you know, said at that time. But it just, I don't know. It does maybe make a little bit more sense. She wrote it now. Um, I still like the song I Trouble. <laughs> I knew you were trouble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So is that about, that's a, good one. That's a Jake Gyllenhaal as well? <sighs> My theory is that if you look on, I don't know if you all use Spotify or Apple Music, but on Spotify, there are the little cards, like the little short videos that play on the screen as the song is playing. Yeah. Um, and since the short film came out, several of them have clips from the short film that aren't all too well, like mm. playing as their video. And my theory is that everyone that has a clip from All Too Well is probably about Jake Gyllenhaal, because not all of them do. Mm. Um, but I could be wrong. Maybe they just picked ones that they thought fit the mood of the song. But that is pretty much my assumption is generally every angry, heartbroken song in this album is about him. That's interesting. I just, I find yeah. it, so, and I mean, I do think it fits that age, but like, like some of the transitions from like, because you were saying it told a story, which interests me because going from something like, we are never getting back together to like, stay, stay, stay. I'm like, hey, yeah. you just said, you just <laughs> said we're done. But now That's you like when stay. What is it? All too well goes into 20, what, 22? 22. Yeah. God, that's yep. 
that's a whiplash. Um, that is a weird. I thought about that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it definitely. I from, and I mean, obviously, you can't have an entire album that's just. Well, I say you can't. Olivia Rodrigo had sour. That's just all heartbreak songs. There's not one like upbeat, you know, peppy um, love song. But I guess Taylor said when she was writing this album, they said she had too many heartbreak songs. She had too many sad songs, so mm-hmm. that she needed some more fun ones so that's how she ended up with like 22 and we are never getting back together um and stay 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 which which again like is true Mm -hmm. um they're generally in that especially when you're going through like a breakup or you have like a tumultuous relationship and you're younger and again you're still figuring things out you don't just feel sad all the time yeah it's not i mean it might seem that way in retrospect like oh so sad after that but you weren't all the time. Yeah. You probably did have times where you were still laughing and having fun and, and like that 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 is in there. It's all yeah. part of it. It also um, puts 22 into perspective when you think about he ruined her 21st birthday. Right. So mm-hmm. she's finally like, oh, God, I'm 21 or I'm 22. <laughs> Passed it. It's over. <laughs> That's all. It's just one year. It's one I, year. You, you posted something, Riley, that was like your year based on Taylor Swift's album. And I think it was like <laughs> your birth month and then your birthday. Yeah. Because so there are thirty songs. Those were the those were the two songs that I listened to first. Were the really my, the, just to know what my year was going to be, and I had "State uh-huh. of Grace" and "The Lucky One," which I felt was a pretty good yeah. fortune. Yeah, I, I I don't think I'd ever heard "State of Grace" before. I, I've heard the hits off this album. I, I had mm-hmm. never list, given a straight listen to before, and I really liked that song. I was yeah. like a early relationship, like somebody knocking you off your feet. And I thought "The Lucky One" was one of those stories that now reminds me of more some of the recent stuff she's written. Where she's yeah. talking about these Hollywood starlets and writing these stories. Like, I don't know if the lucky one is about anybody or if this is just a preview of what's to come. These narratives that she writes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The lucky one is very similar to now, like her, um, the last great American dynasty that she wrote about, like the heiress that she bought that house from or Marjorie. She's writing about like her grandma who was an opera singer and was a star and all that. Mm-hmm. It's very much that same energy. Yeah. Um, uh, you're right. So well, then would mine, I just... I I just look at the song list, mm-hmm. like the track list so to like do this. Three twenty seven. So mine are treacherous mm-hmm. and forever winter. Well, that doesn't sound um, great. That doesn't, <laughs> doesn't sound good. <laughs> treacherous is a great song. Um, forever winter. I should say it's one of the vault tracks, and those are the ones that they say in the title, Taylor's version from the vault. Yeah, which means they were written at the time of the album, um, but didn't make it onto the album, uh, and. Better Man and Babe actually were both songs that she wrote and then gave to other people. So like Babe, she gave to Sugarland, and Better Man she gave to um, Little Big Town. Mm-hmm. And Better Man actually won like Best Country Song at the CMAs or whatever, like the year that she wrote it and gave it to Little Big Town. Oh, wow. But I guess she was given the choice of either putting Better Man or All Too Well on the album, and she went with All Too Well. Um, but Better Man is actually my favorite song of the album. Hmm. It is very good. Yeah. Um, it is great, but. Yeah, I uh, I just uh, I think that if somebody wrote that trouble song about me, I would like that. <laughs> you, of course, I you think would. I would. If somebody wrote that trouble song about me. <laughs> I would like that. Is that what you um, want people to think when you walk in? Uh oh, there's oh, trouble. Sydney McRae, there's trouble right there. Oh no, that's some that's some big Aries it energy is. I'm bringing yeah. to the podcast yeah. today. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen her dance moves on TikTok. So watch out yeah. for that one. <laughs> I do want to apologize for not telling you all about Ronan being on this album because it is 
an extremely sad song that was written and was performed and recorded mm-hmm. before this. Like it was known. Um, if you don't know the album, it was written about a little boy who had cancer Aww. who she found his mom's blog online, basically where she was documenting his like struggles and everything. Um, she found it and was inspired by it and wrote a song about so him. So it's all true. Mm-hmm. Oh, and wow. wrote a song about him and basically contacted his mom. Like I want to perform this at the, american cancer society mm-hmm. benefit or whatever um she uh credits the mom as a co-writer of the song because it's all based on her blog um but she asked her before she put on the album and said like the only version of this that exists was back then and it was recorded when i was under this label i want to put it out mm-hmm. under my name and put it on this album so that it's there um so that is all true it is about a real little boy named Ronan. It is very sad. That is very sad. I meant to warn you because it is a very sad song to listen to. Well, I didn't, I didn't know think it was true. It. Now I'm sad. It is true. <laughs> um, yeah, it is true. But it is, it is a beautiful song. Mm-hmm. But it is sad. Um, and I guess Forever Winter is about one of her friends that um, struggled with addiction that overdosed. Oh. And that is, if you listen to it, like kind yeah. of what it's about. If you listen... It makes more sense if you listen to it in that and with that context. Yeah. Oh. Um, so that is also is also sad. Um, but not all of them are heartbreak songs. That's why I, I always get frustrated when people like, and it doesn't happen as much anymore. But people used to say Taylor Swift just writes songs about the boys that break up with her. It's like no, she has the ability to write stuff about really meaningful people and situations mm-hmm. that have nothing to do with relationships. But. But she's, she was also a young girl. So. But she's also smart. I mean, she's savvy mm-hmm. when it comes to like the business of music because mm-hmm. uh, she, I, I think I was watching the music video for. Um, I bet you think about me. Yes. Oh, I love that music. And video. like she is very much leaning into the idea. Like, I mean, she says it mm-hmm. that I'll write a song about you. Mm-hmm. Like she she's fine with that. Yeah. Like that this is part of her image and mm-hmm. she knows that it sells and she knows that people latch on to it. And there is that sort of, I think you're right, kind of negative, like, oh, she just gets mad and writes songs about boys. But she's played that to great success. You know, I mean, like, to monetary success and fame. And so, I mean, sometimes if you do that, you get the ability then to write other things and do other things you want because, oh, okay, this image sells. Right. I mean, when you look at the incredible catalog she has, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's wrong to say it seems like it's incredibly easy for Taylor Swift to write songs. Yeah, yeah. 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 You definitely get that impression. She just uh, like knows what like heartbreak songs and love songs sell. She can if she's Mm -hmm. is this prolific, like throwing a few in that are going to be hits like, oh, I'm so sorry that so many of my songs are hits and they're popular styles of songs. Oops. Yeah. There are lots of interviews from her around this period where interviewers ask, like, what do you say to all the people that say, like, you guys can't date you because you write songs about them? And she's pretty much just like, well, maybe they should think about that before <laughs> they are mean to me or before they cheat on me. <laughs> it's like, well, OK. Yeah. Um, well, and I mean, obviously, it hasn't slowed down her dating life. I yeah. think she's, mm, no. <laughs> she's done fine. <laughs> I will say there's a song on this album um, called red it is the Mm -hmm. titular song about love being burning red and after a breakup looking back on and all the feelings and emotions and in the after this album came out someone asked her about that and she said that she knows that's not what love should be and she wants to find a kind of love that's like lighter and brighter um and maybe if she ever finds that she'll write a whole album about it when she wrote lover in 2019 um which is about her current boyfriend and it's all Mm -hmm. pretty much 
songs about love. There's a song called Daylight, and it has a line in it that says, I once believed love would be burning red, but now it's golden, like daylight. And I thought that was very sweet that she went from writing songs about how hard everything was, thinking I know it's not what it's supposed to be, and maybe if I ever find like real love, I'll write a whole album about it. And then she Aww. did, and she referenced it in and the she song. She has that song, Me, on there, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> My kids love that song. I, that I love that like. song. S- Sydney's songs are, ooh, the treble song and the me song. This is... <laughs> I just, it's a great song. <laughs> energy, exactly. <laughs> um, I, but you know, the thing is, like, a lot of the criticism that is leveraged at Taylor Swift is, and we've talked about this a lot on the show, not just in regard to her, but mm-hmm. other things. It's the criticism of adults who are aiming that at younger people, usually teenager, young adult age, who are expressing emotions and feelings and thoughts that are incredibly common at that age and that we all have when we are that age. But now we're adults and we see things differently and we just can't wrap our minds around the idea that like, but other people are still young Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they're talking about those things. And when you were that age, that's what you listened to and that's what you watched and that's what you connected with. But that's what we do. We grow up and then turn around and throw rocks at young people Mm -hmm. for having the same sorts of feelings and thoughts we did and we're just mad at the ones who are the most articulate and can express it the yeah. best. And it's usually aimed at teen girls, but yeah. um, I, I but it sucks because it, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think it's a bit of a generational shift, too, though, because, I mean, I, I've, I've heard this consistent conversation about how we're post-cringe, like we're mm-hmm. moving post-cringe because it's, like, it's, it's silly to, th- to not enjoy the things you enjoy. I feel mm-hmm. like so much of the 90s and the early 2000s was defined by the the quest for authenticity of being real and you know Mm -hmm. being taken seriously and like pop music was none of that so we all enjoyed our pop music like alone in a corner where no one could catch us i mean i certainly did and like coming out of that cringe closet it'd be like no it's just enjoyable sometimes things are just easy to enjoy because Mm -hmm. they're well constructed and i hope that that's that it's not always going to be like maybe it feels like it's our older generation attacking the younger generation, but maybe that won't continue because yeah. like that's no, the younger generation isn't carrying that forward. Like it's, it's cool to like the things you like. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope that's yeah. true. Cause I mean, I can listen to this music and appreciate it mm-hmm. and think, Oh, this is good. Oh, that's well done. Oh, lyrically. Mm-hmm. I'm always impressed by somebody who's a good lyricist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lyrically, this is really compelling. And at the same time, do I, do i empathize with that right now well no i'm a 38 year old woman who's married and Mm -hmm. has a stable relationship i don't have any of that sort of romantic drama in my life right now (laughs) um so i don't like feel that but i also understand that i did yeah i mean i remember feeling that way i had those moments and so i can appreciate that i might not connect to the music in the same way you do Mm -hmm. but i can still enjoy it and like it and not like criticize you for liking it I think that's why there's also something very like meaningful about her re-recording this album now that she's 31 and in a long-term stable committed relationship because it's almost like she's saying I know she's re-recording it to own it but it's also like she's saying I acknowledge I felt these things and I'm not embarrassed that I felt these things Mm -hmm. I don't regret writing these angry heartbreak songs I don't want to think about ever again I am proud of them I own them I felt these things and these feelings are valid and people are still feeling these things. Yes. And I want to acknowledge that part of my life. And I think it's very much what you're Mm -hmm. saying. And she's passing on that message by saying, here I am an adult who is not relating to any of these things anymore, Mm -hmm. but I did. 
Mm. And I'm not embarrassed by that. But I think it's cool that she wrote her way through that. You know, she never like mm-hmm. came out with an image remake. It was like, no, the, you know, I mean, she did say the old Taylor's dead, but like, yeah, yeah <laughs> like didn't like now take me seriously. Like she just kept writing and, and wrote to the place she's at now. And it's like, never felt the need to cast her old self off, which I think is cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you all for listening to this very long album with me. Um, it was very much, very much anticipated. She didn't release any singles from it or anything. It was just like all at once. You don't get anything until you get this whole album. So, well, I enjoyed it, and um, okay. Cooper really likes the part in that music video where everything turns red. Yeah, I thought she liked <laughs> that music video. She told me right before it happened, "It's all going to turn red now." I said, "What? It will all turn red. See, it's all red." <laughs> okay. <laughs> thank you for the thank you for the play by play. She also hated when they ate the cake with their hands. Yes. She hated it got ruined like that. It was a white wedding cake. And Taylor Swift just took a big chunk out of it. She well, was like, <gasps> well, and it was red velvet inside, yeah. which is yeah. one of Cooper's favorite flavors. So it was like, why right. are you wasting? I thought Caper would enjoy that. Well, it wasn't her eating it. Right. <laughs> she didn't get it. Why did Taylor Swift get to ruin it? <laughs> well, thank you all again. Um, what is next? Uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I did decide on something that's next. And. I don't, it's a it's a wild choice, but we're going to talk about supermarket sweep. Next yeah, week. we are. <laughs> I'm so excited. Very important to young Sydney supermarket sweep, <laughs> and, and apparently it's back. And yeah. it's back, and it's great with Leslie Jones as the host. It's really good. Was good then, is good now. Uh, so check either out. I love all of the new. I mean sweep. the 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 conceit of the show has not changed very much. Yeah. So. <laughs> You don't need to watch every episode to, to be ready for next week. <laughs> There's no continuity of the plot. I will watch okay. every episode. I probably have. Um, well, thank you. Thank you, Riley, uh, for sharing with us. Oh. Yes. And thank you, listeners. You should go to MaximumFun.org and check out a lot of great podcasts you would enjoy. You can tweet at us at StillBuff. You can email us at, ma- at StillBuffering at MaximumFun.org. And thank you to the novellas for our theme song, Baby, It Changed Mine. This has been your cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I'm Riley Sperl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Sperl. I am still buffering. And I am too. Give the scarf back now. I don't know. Maggie Gyllenhaal doesn't even know about it. She's like, I don't know what scarf you're talking about. Really? It's very funny. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's, <amazing. laughs> That's a really cool answer, yeah. actually. I don't know. What? What scarf? Hello! I'm Pee Wee Herman. You might know me from TV, but I really want to be a DJ. It took some convincing. But KCRW finally agreed to give me an hour on the radio to play you some music with my friends. (laughs) Anyway, tune in for one hour of the bestest, most funnest time you'll ever have on the Pee Wee Herman Radio Hour. I am personally inviting you to tune your transistor radio in to hear me or go to KCRW.com. Duh. (laughs) It'll be available for the whole week. From November 26th to December 3rd. So you can listen to it again and again and again and again and again. (laughs) The Pee Wee Herman Radio Hour was produced by Maximum Fun and can be streamed on KCRW.com until December 3rd. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.